Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 8, titled Entrada. Alright, here it is. The moment you've all been waiting for, the big climax of the switched Olivia's arc. We have been building to this moment for the entire season thus far. Uh, This is where it all comes to. Uh, It's a both universes episode. The intro switches back and forth between blue and red, blue and red, blue and red. And that's a really, really cool little change up there. More playing around with the intro to show how the episode's different from the average And, oh boy, is it incredible. This episode is fantastic. It is insanely good. Uh, It is among the best episodes of all of season three. It's it's fantastic. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I love literally every single thing about it. It's... Amazing. It really, really is. Like, right from that opening sequence, the episode is just, like, this is peak fringe. It really, really is. Like, right from that opening sequence, it is tense and phenomenal and has some excellent storytelling in there. Like, Peter, again, picking up right when the last episode left off, uh, Peter learning of the Olivia's being switched and sort of sneaking around in the apartment uh, to sort of figure out, like, sort of confirm what what he's heard, make sure it's true before doing anything, Uh, rifling through drawers, going through Olivia's laptop, uh, looking at her files, Uh, that incredible moment when alternate Olivia catches him in the act, and Peter's like, oh, I was uh, sending an email to a friend in Greece. Uh, drops the be a better man than your father line. And uh, like as a test that, of course, alternate Olivia fails miserably. Not only does she not know what it means, but she falls for his story that it was just some friend who said it to him and not Olivia. So... This, uh, and then that, like, great standoff when Alter and Olivia figures out, like, oh, uh, yeah, I failed the test. (laughs) I definitely failed the test. She gets her gun, like, she points it at Peter. Uh, she makes Peter, uh, inject that paralysis drug. Uh, and, like, that, that whole opening, that whole opening is just absolutely perfect. Uh, that whole opening is just absolutely perfection. Uh, and then, from then on out, at least on the blue side of things, at least on the Aria Universe side of things, uh, it's just a race to the finish. Like, every single moment on our side in this episode is just an absolute scramble. There is barely a second to breathe. Uh, and by the way, for the sake of continuity of discussion, uh, I'm going to talk about 
most of the R side stuff first, then most of the alternate universe stuff, and then I'll sort of talk about where the two intersect. Uh, just, just for the sake of discussion. The episode goes back and forth. I, I'm just gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go like 95% of the way there on one side, 95% of the way there on the other, and then mix them together and bring it home. So that that's just. That's the way to discuss this, uh, in the least confusing way possible, <laughs> quite honestly, <laughs> just for my brain. Uh, we have a, our alternate Olivia on the run, and she does two things while on the run. First off, she steals a piece of the vacuum. She steals a piece of the machine from, uh, the hangar that all the machine parts have been stored at. And we're kind of like, okay, this is why... She's here. Walternate needed her to find, like, pieces of the machine that, uh, he couldn't get or he couldn't find on the other side. Like, that's why she was here. That's why she was pushing us to, uh, look at the machine, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so she gets that, and she goes to the typewriter shop and is like, hey, my cover's blown. I, I need an extraction, like, right now. I, I need to get it immediately. Like, this is... This is bad. This is real, real bad. Everything's awful right now. It's the worst thing. Yeah. Uh, but we have that. And by the way, we finally learn uh, what's going on with the guy who owns this typewriter shop. Because they've hinted for a while now that he's not in it for his own health. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's not in it because he's like so dedicated to the alternate universe. Like... He is there because he wants something. Like, they made it clear from the first time we saw him early on in Season 2, the I'm not waiting around forever line. And we finally learn that he's there because he wants new legs. Uh, his legs don't work too good. Uh, and he wants to be able to walk like a normal person. He wants to be able to walk like everyone else. Like, he doesn't want the crutches and all that. Uh, and so, he's just, like, kind, he expresses a lot of frustration to alternate Olivia. Like, hey, I need I need this. Uh, it's been seven years, and you're not keeping your promises. Like, what the hell? Uh, and that becomes a big deal in this episode. Uh, because at one point, like, alternate Olivia, after she gets her orders, is like, hey, uh, you want new legs? You gotta do one more thing for me. That one more thing we will figure out later. That one more thing we will get to in a few minutes. The entire time, like, they're trying to track her down, trying to track her down, trying to track her down. Uh, they actually track her down via the bakery from which uh, Walter was given baked goods by alternate Olivia. By the way, word of the day is Vagenda. <laughs> uh, Walter's rant about alternate Olivia being an evil temptress. It's just so great. It is it is legendary. <laughs> it pulled him right into her Vagenda. Uh, Vagenda? <laughs> like, just that, that reaction from Astrid. Like, Vagenda? <laughs> like, just, what the hell, Walter? <laughs> what is that word? <laughs> that is the word of the day. Vagenda. 
Uh, but eventually, like, they realize, like, oh, this place is from the Bronx. Why would she go there unless she uh, knows somebody there? Uh, she said she got him, like, on her way back from the Federal Building and all that. So, they go into the Bronx. And they show her picture around. And then eventually Peter finds a typewriter shop and notices that his laptop is right on the counter. Like an idiot, he didn't hide it. So, immediately they're like, okay, she was going to this typewriter shop. They fl- they find the quantum entangled typewriter. Uh, Peter is able to recover the last message. And they find out that the extraction point is at Penn Station. This sequence at Penn Station is so good. It is so freaking phenomenal. In every possible way. I love it so much. Like, right from the beginning, like, Olivia gets taken aside by a shapeshifter and told... And basically, they inject, like, what we find out later is, like, tiny harmonic rods uh, in her hands and in, like, the, the like, lower back. Uh, sort of doing a smaller version of what they did with uh, the building. Way back in the Jacksonville episode. Uh, a smaller version of, like, basically their plan is to trade the Olivias. Like, they're obviously of equal mass, so it's just gonna be, like, a full-blown swap. It's just gonna be a full-blown swap, and we're all good. And then, FBI arrives. They corner... Alternate Olivia in the bathroom. And then this random bystander, this random woman that walked in on Alternate Olivia and the shapeshifter in this bathroom. Alternate Olivia has her at gunpoint, dragging her out, dragging her out, dragging her out, saying, I'll kill her, I'll kill her, I'll kill her, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, don't make me kill her. Like, drop your weapons or I'll kill her. And then... Peter's, uh, uh, Peter sees this woman's daughter rush out, and then Peter, on a whim, just goes, hey, what's your daughter's name? Your daughter, what's her name? Like, just yelling at the woman, and realizes, this ain't the woman, this is the shapeshifter, and then just shoots her in the head, and sure enough, mercury blood. And then they capture Olivia, because she has literally zero leverage at this point. They capture the alternate Olivia, who has zero leverage. And alternate Olivia, when she's in handcuffs, does the thing of like, Hey, listen, this started out as an assignment, but it became something more. And then Peter's like, that'd be way easier to believe if you were not in handcuffs right now. (laughs) Like, literally... Peter basically tells alternate Olivia to shut up. (laughs) And it's great. And it's amazing. (laughs) Oh, that moment is so, so freaking good. Uh, Now, on the other side, in the alternate universe, a lot of the first portion of this episode is basically Broyles, the alternate Broyles, trying to figure out if he should help our Olivia get back or not. Because remember, our Olivia basically helped save his son and helped 
uh, bring his son's kidnapper to justice and all of that. So, Broyles owes a massive debt to our Olivia, but also he's been given this line by Walter Nitt over and over and over and over and over, we are at war, the other side's at war with us, the other side's at war with us, we are at war, these people are monsters. And so he has to, like, sort of struggle throughout the entire episode with, which, okay, which one do I feel more? Like, do I feel the debt of gratitude to this Olivia? Or do I feel the dedication to my universe? And do do those have to be mutually exclusive, too? Broyles, alternate Broyles in this episode deals a lot with what, what, if any, of what Walternitz told me is true about the other side being monsters and wanting to exterminate us. Like, what, if any, of Walternitz's rhetoric is true? And it's a great arc for him. In the midst of this, uh, this gets super dark because alternate Brandon Fayette, Jesus Christ, like, this universe's Brandon Fayette is, like, our universe's Brandon Fayette is... Just sort of a wacky uh, scientist guy who sort of does, like, kooky things and says kooky things and is just a bit of a weirdo. Basically, honestly, he's this show's Felicity Smoke. Like, if Felicity Smoke of Arrow stayed, like, just that bit character that she was early in season one and didn't become such a huge part of Arrow, I feel like this is what she would be. But alternate Brandon Fayette is just a full-blown psychopath. It's just a full-blown, like, crazy man. And it's just like, hey, so, I know we did all those Cortexafan trials, even though we don't know it's Cortexafan. Uh, I know we, like, have technically what we need, but, um, kind of want to cut out this Olivia's brain? So... Please? Can I cut out her brain? Can I cut out her brain? I I think it'd be useful to us, even though we already have what we need. Can I cut out her brain? Please? Please? And then Walter Nett's like, okay, you scamp. You can cut out her brain. And Walter Bread Fate's like, yay, I can cut out her brain. (laughs) Like, he's so effed up. He's such an effed up dude. He's so creepy. (laughs) Like, it's just so weird how... In our universe, Brandon Fayette's just this kooky little side character. Like, oh, like, what a crazy little comic relief weirdo dude. And then on the other side, he's just like... Honestly, he's a serial killer with DOD clearance. Let's be honest with ourselves. (laughs) If he didn't have DOD clearance, he'd be a straight-up serial killer. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. This is so effed up. This whole plot line is so effed up. And seeing Olivia with all those markings around her body, it's not just her brain. I'm focusing on brain. They definitely plan on harvesting, like, all of her internal organs and just replacing the mass. Like, just... It's so effed up. It's so just weird and creepy. And I kind of love this plot line. (laughs) I kind of love this storyline. I kind of love where they take it. Uh, But Broyles kind of has to struggle with this. He talks to his wife about it in the vaguest possible terms, of course. Uh, That scene where 
Olivia's like pleading to alternate royals, like, look, despite what you think, my universe is not at war with yours. Like, that is not a thing. This started because a man crossed over to save a little boy, and then I came back to save that same boy. Like, we are not at war. I... both universes can live. We can figure, find another way. I have to believe there is another way. Like, there there needs to be, like, this alternate route to take. And, like, I... It, it's so good. It is such a fantastic scene. Anna Torv, oh my god. Anna Torv does some of her best acting in the entire series in this scene. Honestly, Lance Reddick does some of his best acting in this episode, uh, personally. But, like, particularly for this scene. If we're zeroing in on this scene, Anna Anna Torv does some of her best acting in the entire series. In this moment. Full stop. Like, she is spectacular in this scene. Like, she's amazing. Uh, But eventually, like, at the last possible second, like, literally she is... On the table, about to get her brain taken out by serial killer McGee, and <laughs> and then Broyles rescues her and like shoots her up with adrenaline to counteract the sedative that they put in her, uh, and then they like rush to the lab. Uh, they find some of this excess cortexafan that they uh, sort of got from her. Uh, this excess cortexafan that they figured out how to produce based on her brain chemistry. And she's like, okay, okay. Um, so, with the cortexafan that was already in my body, I could cross over, but only for a second. And not really, I more existed in that half there, half here type deal, but if I pump myself with more cortexafan, then maybe I have the extra juice to completely go to the other side and stay there. So maybe I'm not like a boomerang and more just like any object that's not a boomerang. (laughs) Literally anything else. Uh, But unfortunately, the tank is emptied. So they can't use it. They can't use it. They can't operate it. So, and the alarms are going off. So now they have to escape Liberty Island, which they do quite easily with Broyles' help. Go to Harvard, get in Walternet's old lab, in which he has a tank like Walter did on our side, and use that to cross over. And they do. They get over there. They... Fill the tank up, they prep it, uh, alternate broils, injects a shit ton of cortexafan into Olivia, and then, like, military shows up, because apparently, uh, alternate broils has, like, a tracker in his arm, uh, and he closes up the tank, and it's like, hey, please make this worth it, please make it so both universes can survive, like, please do not kill, like, everyone on this planet (laughs) and do not let your planet die either like closes up the tank and you kind of hear the brawl between broils and these military guys you can kind of hear the fight but you can't see it you only see olivia 
as she closes her eyes, as she does this sensory deprivation stuff, and as she crosses over. And as she fully crosses over to the other side. And I mean, unfortunately, the extra cortexophan in her system does give her a seizure. So there's that. But other than that, she's good. Other than that, she's back in our universe. Thank God, sigh of relief. It's finally over, except not yet. Because we still have the alternate Olivia to deal with. They have her in the back of this uh, transport. And Walter's sort of looking around her bag and is like, wait a minute, here's this little dingy ding thing. Uh, the, oh, oh, God, these are this is a miniature harmonic rod. And then the time four o'clock comes around, which we were already told is the time the transfer was scheduled to take place. The harmonic rods activate. The exchange takes place. Alternate Olivia is gone. And in her place is a dead and mutilated for the purposes of taking away the excess mass alternate broils. And oh boy. Uh... Alternate broils. This, like, mutilated corpse. Because, like, it is it is rough. Like, they quite literally hacked away entire parts of his body. Like, entire limbs. Entire portions of his body. To meet the mass requirements. So there'd be no excess repercussions. Like, it'd just be equivalent mass. Uh, two bodies switched. Everything good. Nothing to think about. And the moment where... Alternate Broyles shows up dead and mutilated. Peter and Walter see it, like, sort of react for a bit. Broyles tries to go over and is like, and, and Peter's just like, no, 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 no. You don't want to see this. You Trust me, you do not. And then Broyles is like, what the heck? What are you talking about? I'm, I'm going to look at it anyway. Oh, I see the problem now. <laughs> he kind of has this moment where he's just like, come on, it can't be that bad. Oh, oh God. Like, you kind, of, you kind of see it on his face. Very much more subtle than how I just described it. But, like, you kind of see on his face, like, the horror of seeing a dead, mutilated corpse of his doppelganger. Like, you can kind of see the moment of just, like, sheer horror and amazement and just, like, kind of processing, like, what the hell that even means on an existential level. Like, it's just... It's a great moment. Like I, I'm telling you, Lance Reddick does his best acting in this episode. He really, really does. He nails it here. Uh, but the exchange is taking place. Everything is mostly in order. Our Olivia's here. Their Olivia's there. Their Olivia returns back to work. By the way, Lincoln's uh, burns have healed. Everything's good. It's like nothing ever happened. Uh, and... Uh, their broils is quote-unquote missing. <laughs> and alternate Olivia has this look on her face like, uh, yeah, uh, I know what happened, but I can't say. Because <laughs> that is classified as shit. <laughs> uh, and on our side, the guy from the typewriter shop delivers that final piece of the machine, that piece from the machine that uh, alternate Olivia stole, delivers it to this guy, who then gives him like a shot in the arm, and his legs work, uh, like normal, and he can walk like a like 
a normal guy. He can lo- he can walk like uh, your average dude. But Walternate has that piece of the machine that he wanted. And uh, Olivia wakes up in the hospital. Peter's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so... I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm so sorry this... I, I didn't know and all that. And Olivia's like, don't be sorry. You're what got me through. And it's like this nice reunion. This nice, lovely, beautiful moment. And... It was, it's phenomenal, and so ends this arc. Everything's back to normal. We're all good. God, I love this episode. God, this episode is so freaking fantastic, and I love everything about it. Uh, but, of course, this is not the end-all be-all of the season. Not by a long shot. Uh, this is a 22-episode season, and we're only eight episodes in. This was only the beginning. Uh, yeah. Get ready for some shit. (laughs) Get ready for some big stuff coming down the pipeline, cause... Goddamn. God. Freaking. Damn. Uh, anyway. Uh, if you like this... Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows... And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Uh, I'm actually going to be putting up an episode... Either tonight or tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be doing a new segment that I'm calling Pilot Finale, where I take a television archive show from the past, and I watch the pilot, and I watch the finale. I watch the first and last episode of that series, sort of to see, and sort of compare the two, sort of see how it evolved over time, and, like, how... How it progressed in that very, very, how it started, how it's going type snapshot. Uh, And I'm doing this for Roots 1977. That original version of Roots, one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, I'm going to be watching the first and last episodes of that. Uh, Definitely a shorter show to start off with. So I'm not sure how much uh, difference (laughs) there's going to be since it was literally a miniseries. But it should be an interesting discussion nonetheless, because uh, suffice it to say, uh, Roots definitely had a shit ton of narrative progression for eight episodes. Like, for eight episodes, there was they did a lot in that show, by design. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be up there again either tonight or tomorrow, and it should be... Well, I don't want to say fun, because it's a show about slavery, and that by definition isn't fun, but it'll be interesting. Uh, or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 9. Talk to you then.